Welcome to this week's episode of the Full Scope Cybercast, safeguarding the digital frontier. I'm your host, Matt Van Pelt, and with me today are Full Scope IT's CTO, Dan Walk. How are you this morning, Dan? Doing great, Matt. All right, fantastic. And also with me today is Brian Amadeo from Business Development. How are you, Brian? I'm doing great, Matt. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. I guess we'll uh, get this party started. Breaking down the buzzword. This week's buzzword is ransomware. Ransomware is a specific type of malicious software or malware that cybercriminals use to block access to your users' files or computer system until a ransom is paid. Usually, this involves encrypting files on the victim's computer or entire network, rendering them inaccessible. Following the cyber attack, the hackers demand a ransom, typically in the form of cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, in exchange for the decryption key that will unlock the encrypted files. Wow. Dan, could you explain some of the typical ransomware attacks? Well, uh, you know, the the primary type is what you just described, where bad guys try to sneak uh, malicious software onto your network, and then it just finds all of the typical files, Word files, Excel, uh, whatever they can get their hands on, and just erase them and write them back to the hard drives uh, encrypted so that you need to buy a key from them to decrypt it. Um, uh, unfortunately, sometimes they don't actually have those keys and uh, um, and they're you know once you give them the money, they, they may just disappear. One of the worst types of, uh, of uh, malware to get uh, not only would encrypt the files on your hard drives, uh, but um, will also take a copy of those files. Uh, and then they'll look for things like credit card numbers and proprietary customer information. Um, and then not only will they be looking to uh, get you to pay to decrypt your files, but they may also be looking to get you to pay to uh, guarantee that they won't share your data with somebody else. Um, but once again, guarantee. once once you pay, uh, you know, there are no guarantees with criminals and they may leak the information anyhow. Yeah, why wouldn't they make money on it three times over, right? Right. And then if they do find something like credit cards, they may just sell the credit cards uh, on, the, on the dark web uh, to people who are going to look to drain customer accounts. Um, you know, typically, if credit cards are, credit card numbers are, are stolen uh, or even if they're accessed in some, some way, uh, businesses do have a responsibility to uh, uh, alert all of their customers and provide um, uh, credit watch um monitoring services. like some form yeah. of credit monitoring, credit monitoring. yeah so the ones that uh like say there's a ransomware attack and there's not like you know credit card information or stuff like that involved wouldn't a, a decent backup cause it you know to be there, there's no issue there you can just say keep them we're gonna well backups are certainly going to be the first line of defense uh if your data is encrypted uh being able to restore it 
um, is is very important. Um, depending on where the the malware gets into the system and what level of access it has, for example, if a, if an administrator opens it, um, it one of the first things that they'll do is try to find the backups um, and and then destroy the backups. So uh, you know we we recommend that there 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 needs to be an immutable set of backups, uh, which means the administrators on the system itself do not have permission to delete the pack backups for a certain number of days. Um, you know, make sure you set that for the minimum number of days uh, that it would take to to realize something like this had happened. Um, you know, accounting for long weekends and uh, things like that. What's reasonable there, Dan? Is that like, I mean, would a month be unreasonable? Like, when would an organization need uh, a short time frame to delete everything they've got? Right, that doesn't yeah, seem like a, a typical. Uh, a month would be reasonable. Um, okay. You know, I, I've set them as as low as seven days, where storage costs are an issue. Uh, but but a month would be would would certainly be reasonable. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I was trying to think why, what case scenario it would be a really short time frame, like maybe days, um, and then maybe if it was government contracting or some other something that you know. Uh, could I, have I don't think you'd you know. I, I really don't see any reason to ever set it less than seven days. Um, uh, because when when you go less than seven days, you really run the risk that that the problem may have been destroying data um, uh, before somebody noticed it, and uh, you know you may let the important data fall off the the back end of the immutable backups. Um, so, but but typically, I, I would I would want to look at at least thirty days for the immutable backups. And and that doesn't mean you don't have other older backups like monthlies or quarterlies or yearlies, uh, but simply the the stuff that's impossible to delete or you know as impossible as you can make it um, should be thirty days. I feel like 007. Your backups will self destruct in twenty days. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that more Mission Impossible? <laughs> Certainly, which should, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that was came from the Bond series. <laughs> oh, I, I thought it it's came the from whole genre. Gadget, to be honest with you, yeah, mm. <laughs> right there. The problem with the exfiltration attacks, uh, where they're demanding money to not give your data away, is uh, uh, that there can be there can be a, a very high cost to that. Um, you know, there can be reputational issues with your with your business. Um, there can be uh, private data f uh, for designs uh, of uh, proprietary um, products, uh, and and there can be a very high cost. Um, so you know, even having really great backups. Does not protect you from that, um, and uh, that's where things like cybersecurity insurance. Um, you know, you have to look at your policy very carefully. Uh, they may be able to help with with some of those issues, um, but 
having a good layered defense to stop this from happening is very important um you know between having having your data encrypted at rest on mobile devices like laptops and cell phones and uh good um antivirus endpoint security and uh um in in some cases uh uh, something like an like an EDR system, so that you can figure out where the attack came from and what data they accessed. Uh, because very often they may claim that they have all of your data, but uh, you know you you might be able to prove that they only got their hands on one or two files. That's the uh, and, and I know we've talked about this on some of the other episodes. That's the thing. It's there's so much more to it than the actual ransom, right? So you had mentioned the the perception or the or you know what might happen from a company standpoint, because if you're if you're if the information you were storing right gets to the wrong hands and gets out, then people have a different perception of your organization. So even if you get back online quickly, even if you remediate, protect, uh, refortify, whatever. There's still this backlash, right? There's there's this other portion, this perception of that you let this happen to my information, and then loss of business from that. And I, I, there's such a bigger picture here than um, everybody thinks about. Like, oh, I'll just pay the ransom, or or we have a backup and it won't affect it. Um, like I'm pretty sure the way our systems are set up, right? If we had some form of a breach, even my mobile device is going to get anything like. Um, productivity-wise, is going to get wiped because of the way we manage it. And I don't think most organizations think that way. Yeah, and the the, the threats are constantly evolving. Uh, so it, it, it is important to look at what security provisions you've put in place. Um, the, you know, the endpoint software on your PCs and laptops and uh, and 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 mobile devices, um, it, it's constantly evolving, and there's new functionality that's always available uh, that you need to look into because it doesn't always just get enabled automatically. Um, and uh, things like firewalls, also, uh, they're they're always putting in new features to to combat new threats, and you have to really look at what. What the features are, and make sure that you're you're applying them um, properly to keep your protection levels as high as possible. Well, that is a fantastic segue into our uh, tech tip of the week. Well, if it isn't a tech tip, strengthen your ransomware defense by understanding the threats and knowing how to respond to them. If you're interested in learning more about ransomware and how to protect yourself from it, check out our blog post called "How Can Companies Avoid Ransomware." There will be a link in this week's episode description, and we will also have a link posted on our website, fullscopeit.com. Yeah, we, we didn't really go into that at all. You know, responding to these attacks when they're successful is a whole separate issue than uh, what they are and how to protect yourself. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I think that, that also plays... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add one more thing, if you don't mind. I think that also plays into the... Um, a, a lot of people bury their head in the sand a little bit because they think like, well, my information, nobody cares about. And it's that what I end up having, like, so when we're having 
conversations with people. I'm like, you're right. It means something to you. And that's what they know. That's what they care about. They're only asking you for money because they know it, that's valuable to you for whatever your reasons are, right? It's not the actual, like, they don't care what, say, if someone handles the or, or ransoms the ERP. It's like, we don't care what your product or your, your, your manufacturing company, and we don't care what your processes are. We know you do and that you can't work without them. So that's really what we're taking for ransom is what's important to you, right? It's just like a family member in a mob situation, right? It's same thing. It's not that they want the family member. It's that the family wants that family member. But I think that gets missed. I think people just think, oh, what we have in our, what we store is not important to anybody else. Yeah, and, uh, you know, even even if you do have all the backups in place and they're immutable and, your data isn't sellable. Uh, the 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 backups are not always instantly recoverable, um, and uh, you may have to roll back several days to before the the malware uh, um, took over the system. Uh, and you know, recovering the work that was done um, can be very costly. There is a story of an organization that we were working with but we hadn't started managing them yet. And this was before my time. Um, but from my understanding was they did get a ransom. And then like say a month after they decided maybe not to use our services and then was like, help us, what do we do? Well, there's nothing we can do now. Like it's too late. And they went out of business. I want to say their ransom from what I understand was like 450000 which they couldn't afford and they didn't have the insurance in place. Like whatever they did, the insurance wouldn't cover anywhere near that. So it put them out of business. And it's a real thing and it really happens. Um, so, I mean, like we hear these stories, right? Or, you know, like we're going to talk about another one coming up here in a minute here, but um, like they're out there. It's constantly happening. And this burying your head in the sand thing is not going to last. It's really not. Thanks for that story, Brian. And that brings us to our story of the week. This is the story of the week. Listen up. Very topical. It's from IT Brew. Uh, MGM Resorts hit by alleged ransomware attack. And there was a very telling uh, quote right from uh, uh, from the article from uh, VX Underground from the, uh, do you call it a tweet anymore? Is it called an X? What do you call it when somebody does something on Twitter now? They said it, they put it on the X. That's a whole other topic they, they, for a podcast. They, <laughs> they tweeted on the X? All right. They tweeted on the, the X. X. <laughs> All ALPHV ransomware group did to compromise MGM Resorts was hop on LinkedIn, find an employee, then call the help desk. A company valued at thirty-three million nine hundred. Wait, thirty-three billion. That's nine hundred million. million. That's Whoa, billion. that number was bigger than I thought. <laughs> was defeated by a ten-minute conversation. Wow. Wow. Yeah. How, how do you protect from that? You know, I, I, I think there's some interesting points in that article. Uh, one is uh, the, there's a projection of um, how how profitable uh, it can be to to uh, do ransomware attacks. Um, you know, the the they're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars uh, by the end of the the decade. Um, uh, but the, the other important thing is like, they didn't say exactly who they attacked. 
but the fact that they could just call the help desk and um, pretend to be an employee uh, really goes to show that it's not just like the, the high-level executives and the IT management uh, that, that are um, being threatened. Uh, really, any employee who has access to the network, even to just put in their time cards, uh, might be a valuable asset to, to do a, a lateral attack once, once they've gained access to, to any employee's accounts. Um, and uh, I think that's, you know, that's another thing that needs to be considered uh, when you're looking at securing your network is you really need to secure all the employees, all of the devices, uh, you know, all the networks. Um, nothing is less vulnerable than anything else uh, because the attackers will just keep prodding around until they find that weak link. Like this seemed like it was a process failure to me, right? How was there Definitely. not a few levels of verification for that employee? Um, I, well, I think I know, it's, it's a it, you know they may have had the process in place. It may have been training failure. Uh, they they really didn't go be. that deeply into what the failure was, um, but having processes that make sense that actually protect you and and maintaining the training on them uh, is very important um, you know very much like we do uh, you know we do fishing simulated fishing attacks to see if uh, if anybody falls for for a, a fishing attack um, and we use that to uh, ensure that 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 the trainings are being done properly, um, you know, uh, especially when it comes to a help desk. The the help desk uh, processes have to be followed clearly, and you you need to make sure that that all the employees are up to date on on what they are. I, I had an interesting conversation with a cybersecurity engineer yesterday, and I was looking at the dark web report for their domain while I was on the phone with them. And I said, hey, by the way, this particular email has a overwhelmingly greater amount of exposure than any other. And he goes, wait, can you repeat that? And he goes, I don't know. I don't have that email in our organization. I'm like, well, just so you know, that email's got a lot of password exposures. You might need to figure that out. And it was one of those things. He's like, he, as he's live looking in, he's like, I don't have, I don't know who that email is. Now they do have, this particular organization did have some locations that were on other continents. I'll say it that way, in other countries. So, um, and some of those they maintain their own um, policies, ways they go about it. Different departments. They're not all. It's not one IT department for the entire organization. So, um, so that being said, it goes. It could, you know. But I'm, I'm like, either way, you should know who that individual is, or at least now you want to look into it. But it was uh, anyway. It was it was interesting to me that they couldn't uh, verify that person, like while we were in our meeting. Um, and I think organizations uh, like that's a it's a tell sign in some way. 
yeah, I guess in like bigger corporations, how do you, how would a help desk go about verifying employees? Are there ways, like known ways to do that, things to put in place? Like asking for their employee ID or? <laughs> that seems like an easy one, right? Yeah, do you have an employee number, yeah. but would the help desk have access to that to that HR record? And, and that, you know, right. again, that's a policy thing, but I don't, or a procedure thing, but I don't know. Every, if everybody has access to everything, <laughs> where do you draw the line in some cases? And MGMs, I mean, I don't know what their employee count is, but it's obviously large, right? Um, yeah, they have locations counts, all over the place, like in subsidiaries and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. All over the yeah. country, probably the and world. I don't know. This gets exponentially difficult as organizations grow. Uh, you know, in, in, in smaller organizations, uh, it's very easy to have like a single point of contact who knows all the employees and can, uh, can help verify uh, that people are who they say they are. Uh, but in a larger organization, uh, some sort of procedure needs to be put in place to, um, you know, look at the org chart and make sure that you're talking to somebody that you can verify they are who they are, who can help you verify another employee. You know, there needs to be some sort of chain, uh, especially when you're talking about regaining network access because of lost credentials or a lost token. Um, you need to be very careful with, uh, with verifying the users. So what do you think, uh, do, do, did, they, did they tell you, did MGM tell the public yet what their exposure was for PII for guests. I mean, it is, it's a lot of, a lot of guests across there. I, I haven't seen uh, any details about what was actually taken. Um, yeah, I would hope so. Cause this article came was from September 14th. So yeah, I know, I know that the outage itself, uh, was very, very costly and that, uh, a majority of the systems were unavailable. Um, and especially for a business that's dealing with so many customers uh, all the time, uh, it's, uh, it could be very, very costly. Their, uh, their ad for a, um, I don't know if it was quite CISO level, but they had a high-level network ad. Um, they were looking for a new employee basically to head up their cybersecurity, but it was like expect like 12 hour days for the next nine months. Like it was really like, you know, it's like, this is going to be a long, difficult process. You know, we need someone that's rolling the roll up their sleeves and really dive in for a long time. Like where's that 22 year old kid that's brilliant and has no other life. Cause this is going to be your life <laughs> for a while. <laughs> Uh, I've seen a lot of enterprises where uh, the changes, <clears throat> the changes required to maintain proper security levels, uh, are perceived as being too painful. You know, causing too much uh, time to go into training for for the processes that that the employees will have to learn. Um, or the systems that have to be upgraded and the downtime. Um, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of uh, uh, managers need to really understand 
how to weigh those risks um, and a little bit of downtime up front to get things secured properly can save you a lot further down the road. And it takes time. That's, I mean, it's a diff- that's a difficult balance, right? It's how much do I put into protection and Again, I don't know what I'm going to need when, but that's a lot of time. I think from just the employees getting trained. I mean, you can put physical things in place from the network, right? You can even cloud tools, whatever, all that stuff. But the training takes time. People have to absorb it, have to get used to it. It's a continual thing. So really, no better time than the present, right? To start that process. Absolutely. Any final thoughts on this week's uh, story? Other than I'll add, there was so there was two other really big ones that just happened in the last week or so, and that oh, was right, the right, Sony right. Sony PlayStation, uh, the online side for that. That's that was held at, and I believe that was a I don't remember fifty million dollar ransom, um, and then uh, Johnson Controls, who is owned by Tyco, and they do building automation, including some federal or government buildings. Um, they're a $25 billion a year company, so pretty close to MGM here. And they got hit with a $51 million ransom and they were able to access their building automation side of things. So just that division, like Tyco is a big you know, name and it has a lot of subsidiaries, but Johnson Controls, this particular one, was the one that they they grabbed. But that's uh, that's massive. Like There's a lot of, be a lot of fallout from that one. And I think you know the, the the lesson for small and medium businesses is uh, you know that not that uh, if a huge enterprise like that can't secure themselves, what chance do we have? Because that that's that's simply not true. Um, the 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 important lesson is that you need to really put that that same level of focus uh, on on any size business. Um, and not assume that you're too small to be a target. Yep. And the budget's got to be relative. I mean, if you think about some of these, I, like I would bet MGM, what do you think their annual IT budget is? I don't know, $10 million a year? I mean, it's got to be massive between the employees themselves and it's then the actual tools that they use, right? Probably a bit more than that. It, yeah, probably is a bit more than that. That's what I said. I was like, that's probably really low. So it's all relative, right? What, but I think that actually the small businesses may have the advantage here because I think they can spend a whole lot less in a very reasonable amount and and do a very similar level of protection in comparison because there's also the desire is not there as as much for the actors. Um, yeah. Well, and the, and the good news is the big enterprises who that you know when they need to put in hundred thousand dollar firewalls to protect their network. Uh, the same code base that protects those firewalls scales down to firewalls that are a thousand or two thousand uh, dollars, if not a little less expensive than that. And you can get the same protections for a small and medium-sized network that's available to everyone. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, I really think it's relative, right? And they can. For a very fair price, they can do a really good job at protecting themselves. Um, so Absolutely. That's the, it's the it's what I preach all day long. <laughs> Those are the conversations <laughs> I have all day long. <laughs> awesome. 
All right. On that note, we'll uh, wrap this week's episode up. So uh, thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Full Scope Cybercast, Safeguarding the Digital Frontier. Also like to thank uh, the panel this week, uh, Dan and Brian. And uh, we will be back next week with another episode. So until then, stay behind your firewall. <laughs>